The gospel reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. This might be helpful to remember that Simon here is also Peter. But just as you hear that, think of Peter. One belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter called it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I wanted to start off, if some of you weren't here last week, to do a little bit of a recap. Uh, We talked a little bit about, in this sort of idea of, gosh, living this faith life can feel a little impossible sometimes. And we talked how uh, Jesus uh, was driven out of his hometown synagogue by people because he was starting to push on some of the keystones of life, some of the things that um, are difficult to hear. And I invited you all in this week that we just had to think a little bit more about, well, where are the keystones in my life? Who are the people that I wonder are deserving of the gospel? Who are the folks that when I think about them and think about the idea of them, well, I would just rather toss them over a cliff? And some folks have come back to me this week, and I've appreciated they've taken some time to circle back and talk to me about it, and they started praying for folks that they wouldn't ordinarily think to. And, of course, this week... God had placed some particular people in my life that I tend to struggle with, uh, and I had to think about the impossible for them, too. Um, I always have a hard time, for instance, for folks who like to complain about politics but never vote. These folks really, because it's like, go do something about it. So some of those folks had come into my life this week, and I indeed had to think, well, those people are loved by Jesus Christ as well. Of course, it could be more serious than that, but that's just one example. And I think sometimes the the times that you have to say, maybe in this week, or hopefully you continue to think about this and where are places that Jesus' invitation can allow us to maybe knock a little bit of our walls down. Every time that we have to say, I need to love these people as much as Jesus loves them, is really, I think, as much of a reminder or maybe a little extra motivation at times than a solid, objective fact, right? Because it's not easy 
to love the people we'd much rather not. And we ought to be honest right on the front end. We wouldn't have called it living the impossible if there wasn't at least some sort of difficulty in the Christian life. There's these moments in ourselves that I think we want to be better than we are. I think there's always this hope that if we continue to try hard, we will get better. But I think there's a deeper, more significant statement that we carry in our hearts that somehow we're not going to be good enough. All those self-help books that continue to come out week after week after week, and we read them, and then we buy more, and then we buy another one, and we buy another one. Have we gotten better in the meantime? I think there's a part of us that we struggle a little bit at it. Are we ever going to be the people that we think we want to be? And when that translates to faith, it can come out in belief that though this whole Jesus thing sounds awesome, I like that this guy like heals people and that he cared about his ideas so much, this God-human person, that he died and was resurrected. That sounds great. Well, it doesn't sound so realistic. So I think the question is, are we able to live this life as Jesus calls us to? Now, I am at least hip with the kids enough to know what TLDR doesn't mean. It means too long, didn't read. So maybe a TLDL, too long, didn't listen, sermon would be yes. I do think we are able to live this life that Jesus calls us to, but it may require something of us. found this great picture, by the way, of this was the only picture I could find of this image, this moment. I think it's important to maybe keep this phrase in the back of your mind as we walk forward the rest of the day. In the places where we are, in a remarkable way, Jesus calls us as we are to live in a remarkable way. I'll say it again. In the places where we are, in a remarkable way, Jesus calls us as we are to live in a remarkable way. I think the gospel begins to unfold this statement. So let's dig right in. In the first part of Luke, this is kind of fun. 5.4 says this, Put out in the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Now keep in mind, Simon, Peter, the other folks that we hear about in this gospel were... Fishermen. This was their day in and day out job. They got into their boats, they went out and tried to catch some fish, they did the best they could and they came home. Jesus calls us in the places where we are at this moment. Simon Peter wasn't asked to do something he wasn't already doing right away. Jesus doesn't say, Oh, by the way, why don't you throw your nets down and let's get started now? No, he invites them to do the thing that they've always done. Jesus encounters Peter and the rest of the soon-to-be disciples in the normal, everyday circumstances of their lives. I think here's one of the stories as we think about who we are and we try to process this idea of how do I live into this impossible life of Jesus Christ? I think these are one of the bad stories we tell ourselves. That we have to do something incredible. We have to do something mind-blowing. We have to make sure that our names are in lights or that we are authoring a book or that our sermons hit 100 views at the end of the week 
or any of that. Oh, Jesus can't use me. I work in a shop. Dad's been a, working in a shop for 35, 40 years. Maybe you have been somebody like my mom who stayed at home and raised your children. Sometimes that certainly can be looked down upon. Oh, well, that, what are you doing? I mean, that, that's not that significant. We tell, us, we tell ourselves these stories over and over again that somehow what we do might not be significant. Our daily lives might not be significant. That what ultimately matters is so long as we do the right thing here or we do the really special thing later. And I think that what Jesus reminds us of in this moment, that no matter who you are or where you are or what you're doing or what your job is, you can be called in that moment. If you are a teacher, you can be called. If you work at a restaurant, you can be called. If you are somebody who now is enjoying the benefits of retirement, you too can be called. We don't have to always do the incredible thing beyond us. We can do the things that we are gifted in right here and right now. Put out in the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Well, Peter also seems to know what he's doing for this because he says, well, Jesus, we've worked all night long and we have caught nothing. Now, I have been fishing at least a few times, and I know that, you know, it's that sunset time when the fish are finally starting to feed, that that's a really good time. Am I right for those of you who are regular fisher, fishermen or fisherwomen? Is that the prime time? Am I right about that? Okay. So, like, Peter knows what he's talking about, right? He's like, well, listen, we worked hard all day, all night. We sat here, and we got nothing. But we'll see. And I think this is the honest response to the remarkable requests that Jesus asks of us. I think it's okay in moments to say, like, really, Jesus? Really? You know, like, I've been doing this thing for years and years and years, and I'm not getting much out of it. I'm doing the best I can. Our boxes, like we talked about, those stones that we fill in in our lives of what we understand about ourselves and what we understand about Jesus can betray us here, too. Like, Jesus wants us to do that? Well, we tried that ministry a few years ago. That's not going to work anymore. I don't know about doing this thing that you're talking about as a committee because no one will show up. No one showed up last year. No one showed up two years ago. Why do we do it again? On and on and on. There's always these reasons in our lives that we have walked through different things. We know the answer, right? It won't work. Jesus still asks to go again. And the Spirit guides us in these moments. We're not alone. We don't have to just try and try and hope for the best. We can trust that the Spirit will lead us. And here's the thing, y'all. If we don't try to put the net into the water, we will never know what might come out. 
If we're not willing to try one more time, to do one more thing, to hope for the best one more time and trust that the Spirit will lead us, we will never know what happens on the other side. We'll never get to see what gets pulled out. But Peter did. As ridiculous as it may have seemed, because Jesus is a carpenter, not a fisherman, But still, there must have been some prodding to go forward. So he does it. Wouldn't you know? Fish and fish and fish and fish. So much so that the next thing Peter says is, Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. If there's one phrase this week that has bothered me throughout all of my preparation, it's been this line. Go away, Jesus. I am sinful. And here's the thing. Who are we to decide who Jesus cannot call into ministry? There's part of me that feels like Peter is saying, you know what, I'm not sure I want to be part of this whatever magic thing that you're doing. I'm not interested. I am sinful. Get away. I don't want to know what's on the other side of this the second or third or fourth time. One time magic show is enough. Who are we to decide who Jesus cannot call into ministry? And moreover, who are we to decide all of a sudden that Jesus can't call us? I promise you, you are not smarter than God. There are a few things that I can guarantee in this world, but you are not smarter than God. You do not know yourself as well as God knows you. God will call you. God will call you. Do not assume that Jesus Christ will not call your name. Because I fear if you do, you will not see the fullness of the nets on the other side. And I think sometimes it's an honest admission of what we see as our brokenness and inability. Maybe you have tried and tried and tried to do things, and it just doesn't work. And those records that spin and spin in our heads, the stories we've been told about ourselves, that we're disorganized, that we're not that funny, that we're not that smart, that maybe we try too hard, that maybe we don't really know what we're talking about. And those are some of my stories. What are your stories? The ones that get told in your head that for whatever reason tell you that Jesus cannot call you. On the other side, though, I think at its worst, it's a self-centered approach for protection. It's like, I am going to hold on to my sinfulness because it's the thing I can hold on to. And so stay away, Jesus, because I'm not interested in being part of your show. I don't want to go do this extra thing because it might mean that I don't have full control of what's next. So I'd rather stay with my empty nets in my sin and in my brokenness 
and hope for the best. And I am not, I think you all know this by now, I'm not a big fan of like fun lines, but this one I heard this week, and I found it again, and I think it's really good that Jesus doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. You can hardly see it. This is really pretty though. So I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it a third time. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And honestly, if you want a quick summation of like 70% of the Hebrew scriptures and a good portion of what Paul writes, that's your line. The, gospel, the, the Old Testament reading that we read is sort of our call to worship and our confession and our pardon. You know what? God, I have a bad mouth. I can't do this. And God said, come anyway. Moses says, I have a stutter. I can't lead my people. God says, go. Go. Amos says, y'all, I am just a farmer in the south. I don't know what I'm talking about. God says, go. Paul says, I am the least capable apostle of them all. I persecuted the church. And God said, go. And it's interesting to notice Jesus' response, too. Jesus does not shame Peter. Jesus does not say to Peter, you know, you are right. You are a terrible, terrible person. As I feel like in our current discourse, we are so wont to do. We find out somebody does something wrong, and in a deluge of social media posts and 24-hour news, news cycles, we find ways to bury every single person we can find. And we don't shame them. The interesting thing, too, is Jesus doesn't forgive him either. There's not this moment where all of a sudden it's like, Peter, you know what? You are sinful, but I forgive you. No, Jesus just says we've got work to do. We're going to do it. And so it reminds me that perhaps the best way that we can work out our sinful nature is to follow Jesus and to continue to walk in our journeys. And so if our application last week was to be willing to knock down some of the walls, to find the keystone of the thing that causes us to rage when Jesus calls us, I think our application today is to remember that we can actually be part of this impossible life. The impossible is not just about the moment. It's not about the time when we fall to our knees and we say, Jesus, forgive me, for I am a sinful person. No, it's about everything we do after that moment. It's every single time we are reminded that we are fishers of people and we are not just here for ourselves. What if Peter had stayed? What if Peter had said, you know what, Jesus, this is cool, not super interested, appreciate the extra fish, we're going to eat, What if he had not cast the nets when Jesus asked? What if he had only lived in his sinful nature? It turns out I'm pretty sure Jesus' ministry would have continued. But Peter's story wouldn't have been as exciting. 
Peter's story wouldn't have been significant. We probably wouldn't be thinking about him right now. And so maybe, in spite of the fact that God calls us in the ordinary, there's something extraordinary on the other side. And so, friends, I invite you this week to think about where is the nudge this week in your ordinary? Where is the moment that Jesus says, try this thing one more time? Listen, I know that you have tried really hard to reach out to this friend. Week after week after week, they don't seem to respond to your calls. Just try one more time. Oh, I know that that meeting is one of the most boring things. Why do I go to a Presbyterian church when they have 30 million committees about things that could get just done like that? That's probably an amen-lifting moment. (laughs) Go one more time. What's on the other side? What full nets are yet to be pulled from the committees, from the things that are happening at this church, friends? There are steps on the other side that Jesus is simply saying, come on, put the nets down one more time, see what happens. I get tired of writing letters. It is not one of my favorite things to do. Every week I'm writing letters to y'all. Every week I'm writing letters and mailing letters out to this community, waiting for that one person to say, Old Stone should be my home. Yeah, maybe they won't show up. But I don't know if I don't try. Maybe you don't know that you are so deeply loved by me if I don't try. We will never know when it's our moment, unless we're ready and willing to hear that nudge to say, go try one more time. And so if last week was the nature of the impossible. Here's the process of the impossible. Just go. Be you and go. Next week, we'll talk about the logic and the paradox, which sounds really complicated. But trust me, it's going to be good. Thanks be to God.